Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss fatherhood. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Tomorrow with Joshua Topolsky is brought to you by Nadex, binary options trading. Say you think the price of a global resource is going to go up. You can go to nadex.com and make a trade on that. You're not buying stock. You're trading on where you think the price will be by a certain time. Trade the most popular financial markets with thousands of short-term contracts listed daily. Go to nadex.com and get started trading binary options. That's nadex, N-A-D-E-X.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. You know that we have great advertisers that support this show and keep it free for you guys. One of the reasons why advertisers love tomorrow is that they know the show has amazing listeners. Right now, we have a survey that I'd like you to take to help us learn more about our audience. Just go to podsurvey.com slash Joshua. The survey will only take five minutes. We're going to ask you some questions about yourself and what you like to buy, but it's completely anonymous. And your answers will help us find advertisers that are matched to you, your interests, and this show. When you're finished, you can enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So that's sort of like free money if you win. Even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, I'd like to ask you to take ours and help support the show. Don't forget that you have a chance to win that $100 gift card. Once again, that's podsurvey.com slash Joshua. Podsurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash Joshua. Thanks for helping us to find the best advertisers so that we can keep this show free. I have a very special guest in the podcast today, uh, a very special woman, a special lady, uh, a special human being, because, uh, you know, people aren't just their, their gender construct. They're also people. And this person is Laura June, my wife. Hello. I'm also the mother of your daughter. <laughs> well, Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. That's a lovely, uh, that's lovely to hear. Uh, we're, we're, it's, it is actually Father's Day. And this is a very special uh, tomorrow because I'm recording it from inside my house. Your home podcast studio. From my bed. I'm in my bedroom. Yeah, my home podcast studio, my bedroom. You're nude. I'm, <laughs> I'm completely nude, as is Laura. Uh, no, we're in bed. We're drinking wine. Uh, we are podcasting into Mark Maron's, you know, this is Mark Maron's mobile podcast setup. Who is Mark Maron? No, just kidding. <laughs> Mark Maron, I'll tell you who Mark Maron is. Mark Maron is the guy, the podcast guy who just interviewed the president of the United States. Yes, I've heard about that. Did you listen to it? Uh, no, I haven't. No, it's not out yet. Oh. It'll be out when this, this podcast that you're listening to, if you're a person who's listening to this, is competing with the Mark Marin episode where he interviews the president. So we're on we're both out I, on Monday. I think he, I think he is going to win. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people if you get if you put in front of them you said okay, you can listen to uh, Mark Marin, successful comedian and podcaster interviewing the oh, president Barack Obama or Josh Topolsky, extremely mediocre technology journalist interviewing his wife his extremely mediocre wife <laughs> his extremely mediocre wife i think you get a lot of people that would choose that second one i think a lot of people a lot of, there's a lot of people out there and you're and when you're one of them if you're listening to this anyhow so let's talk about let's get into it well i wanted to warn uh everybody first that yeah this you don't have be, to speak softly by the way oh well i'm speaking softly because i do not want to wake up the baby <laughs> oh right we should i should say one other i should make one other stipulation about this podcast which is zelda our daughter is napping and she's going her, to determine the time for limit her afternoon that nap. We speak. So this might be this podcast might be an hour and a half long, or it might be forty minutes long. It might be fifteen. It could be fifteen, depending on how how loud Laura speaks into the mic. Okay. Anyhow, what were you going to say? I don't know. You said you wanted to talk about something. No, you were just about to say something. That's what I was going to say. Was that the time limit would be determined by how long she <laughs> sleeps? Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a great point. Um, I, I was going to say let's talk about uh, uh, fatherhood. I think we had an argument this morning. Let's talk about the argument that we had. It may okay. be is she, okay. Yeah, is she, yes, is she waking up? No. Okay. It may be ongoing. It's hard to tell. If you're still listening to this, I'm I still am, simmering. If you if you if, you, if, if you're the person who's listening to this and you're still listening, I admire your tenacity and uh, follow through. Anyhow, um, we had an argument this morning because uh, I was uh, I slept in a little bit because it's Father's Day. And so did the Zelda. So did the Zelda. I, I, I hate. <laughs> I, I I dislike referring to her as the baby. Yeah. 
Um, hmm. It's a little generic, and it's also she. She's not really a baby anymore. But she, no, but well, but, I mean, yeah. But I occasionally say the baby. She has many baby-like qualities, though. For instance, she drinks a bottle of milk on a regular basis, and she poops in her pants. And she falls off the bed. And she fell off the bed this morning. She came in to greet me. Uh, she was playing on the bed. I was still in bed under the covers. And Zelda, um, you know, Laura put Zelda on the bed, and then Zelda made a run for the edge of the bed, and and successfully launched off of the edge of the bed. And and you know I don't think she actually hurt she herself. She fell about a foot and a half onto a foot and a half carpeting. off the, a foot and a half off the bed onto carpeting. Which listen, a foot and a half to Zelda is like falling out of a first story window in a house to a regular person. But it was you know the carpet. Yeah, pretty, onto, car- onto carpet, onto carpet. And frankly, I think she might have caught herself, but she was not letting on that she did because she started screaming and crying, and she seemed like she was injured. And of course, since because I'm uh, Jewish. Uh, I assumed that her neck had been broken, her arm, both her arms were had fallen off, or uh, you know, some other horrible catastrophe. Her nose is smashed in, her nose bone smashed into her brain, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that I think immediately and, when the baby starts crying. And can you blame crying. your response on your Judaism? Well, first off, let me just say it's my it's the Jewish, the social Judaism, not the religious okay. Judaism that okay. drive that drives my not insane your deeply held religious beliefs. <laughs> not my deeply held religious beliefs that God rules. Uh, no, it's the social Judaism that makes me a very anxious person. And listen, send the hate mail. By the way, Magnus wants me to Magnus, our Swedish producer. Oh, Happy Father's Day to Magnus. Yes, Happy Father's Day to Magnus, who has a beautiful daughter named B, uh, who I presumably also fell off the bed at some point. Actually, B. I was told today B. put a black bean up her nose, and they thought they'd had to go. To, they'd have to go to the hospital because it was wedged so far in there. Uh, how, what was the? How did this terminate? They got it. They got it. She blew it out or something. Oh <laughs> Anyhow, but uh, Magnus wants to get mail from you, Magnus at tomorrowpodcast dot com. So if you think that my comments about Jewish people are offensive, please send the uh, hate mail to Magnus Henriksen, who's Swedish and absolutely not Jewish. Uh, Magnus at tomorrowpodcast.com. Anyhow, so she fell off the bed and I was uh, very upset and scared. And and frankly, I was a little angry at Laura because I felt like it was her responsibility given that she put her on the bed and that she wasn't under the covers. At your request, you did ask, you said put her on the bed. Well, I wasn't like put her on the bed because I want to see how quickly she can fall off the edge of it. <laughs> put her on the bed because I want to see if she's going to take a take a half gainer off the, off the foot of it. You know, but I, I said I blamed Laura for it, and I, and I, I mean, I guess I don't know if I yelled at her. I think I said some strongly worded, I did some strongly worded chastising. Yes. And then Laura and I got into an argument. About- well, I felt that it was not a productive comment. I mean, like, <laughs> I, we couldn't, I couldn't really rewind time and uh, make her have not fallen off the bed. Um, That's true. I guess now when you put it that way, that is, I, I guess I didn't really think. It of didn't it really seem totally constructive when she was still crying to. to you know, to let me know that you thought it was my fault. It There's happened. no question that I'm a, I'm a blamer. <laughs> I'm a blamer. Right. I'll blame somebody for everything. I try to blame somebody for everything if I can help it. You know, like even things that are completely unrelated to anything a person could have. I, mean, an, I suppose an it was on. constructive if it made you feel better. It did make me feel great, actually. Uh, no, I just felt. You know, I don't know. Listen, I don't know what why my emotions let are. Let me the ask way you a question. Are. Oh boy, <laughs> I can see this was the wrong road do to you, go down. <laughs> go ahead. Do you still think it was my fault? I don't think we can rule you out. <laughs> I don't think you could be ruled out. No, I think that... Here's uh, how I look at the situation. Yeah. Uh, there are three people involved in the situation. Okay. Penny. Penny. Zelda is the person who flew off the bed, right? But she she's not really like a full agent in this process. She's. I wouldn't say that the she other was two people con- in the, room, like making a decision. the other two people in the room equally failed to stop her from doing it. Well, I was under the covers. I think I was sort of... I don't understand. The covers aren't made of lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there, but you can't move as quickly. I would when say you've that got, we both watched her fall off. The you got a duvet on there. You can't. I guess I expected you to grab her before I did. I guess is what happened. Right, and I expected know? her to not, not fall off not the bed. Fall, not yeah. just uh, at had, any rate, I mean, like basically head first. It at was any really, rate, it was it was a it was a bad way to start Father's Day for everybody. I think. Now, let me tell you something. We we live. Um, we recently moved to the country, uh, and I'm looking at right now out of the window. We have. In our bedroom, it's almost all windows on two of the walls. So it's actually all window on two of the walls. There's a tiny chipmunk running through a garden in front of our bedroom. Wait, you can see him right now? Uh, he's he's behind some... Oh, he went into a hole. Oh. Okay, this is the kind of this is the kind of groundbreaking futuristic talk that you expect from from tomorrow podcast, right, listener? Which Anyhow. is that we know nothing about nature and we're really... Oh, no, there he is right there. Do Look at that. Well, again, you want to get him on? Can we get him on the mic here for a comment? Anyhow, earlier today we saw a deer and a fawn, which is a baby deer walking through our yard. Which, to a person who has grown up in the city and is like a huge nerd, they like were like a, cavorting. Yeah, they were cavorting, but to a huge computer nerd like myself, 
um it to me it's like the most magical thing in the world to see animals like just in the wild doing their own thing i think it's very strange anyhow so and laura none of the animals here are really afraid of us they're not the deer are not exactly i wouldn't say they walk up to you or anything but the they birds don't, and the squirrels don't even leave the feeder when i walk out there now. that's right laura, oh i should say that laura feeds a lot of birds and squirrels outside of our uh, kitchen but not any raccoons anymore raccoons we toyed with the idea of feeding a family of raccoons but it seemed like an ill-advised uh plan um but we we also have uh we also bought this. Can I talk about the Adirondack chair? Laura bought oh, sure. Laura bought an Adirondack, a tiny Adirondack chair that you put a corn cob on, and a squirrel can sit in the chair, basically like a human being, and eat the corn, which is and they use it. I mean, they go through two or three cobs a day. And also the and also the <laughs> they are going through a lot of cobs. And also the um, the, the uh, chipmunks use it as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, do. the chipmunks have begun using it. Anyhow, so Laura, let me just talk about Laura a little bit. Now, you, a lot of you may or may not know this, but Laura was um, the features editor, one of the features editors at The Verge, one of the founding members of The Verge. Yes, um, that's correct. I dragged her into a, uh, into, a, into a nerve-shattering hell ride of building a new site in a new company. Um, and, uh, and now, uh, and now I, you, we, I worked at Engadget as well. Laura also worked at Engadget, which actually is a funny story. I think the reason Laura started writing for Engadget was, um, because Engadget was Paul, Paul's fault, I think, right? Was it? I don't, I think we were so understaffed Engadget was so woefully <laughs> understaffed one weekend that I was running the site by myself and I was like, I really need somebody to hit some posts. <laughs> and I was like, Laura, I'm just going to make you an account. And can you just hit a couple of these like router? I got a couple of routers <laughs> that need to be covered. There was like a, a PNP, a PMP, sorry, a personal media player. Right. There were some iRiver products that needed to be <laughs> covered. People don't remember the kind of useless shit that was written about. I remember Gadget. because I, I, I very recently, maybe within the last year, uh, I was looking for a specific um, post that uh, another editor and our friend Lenny had written. Uh, Joseph it, Flatley. It, it had a very good turn of phrase and a, you know, useless, meaningless 200 word post what was it uh i can't remember now but i was looking for it and, and i ended up you know reminiscing and I, I looked through all of my posts um i mean there's thousands of them did you write thousands yeah you know who wrote a lot it was darren murph <laughs> darren murph was, was our writer who and he just wrote a book apparently darren murph was a writer of ours and i'm sure some of you who are listening to this who have read Engadget will know his name he was like a machine he would write i mean he could do like 20 or 30 stories in a day no problem I'm not saying they were all grammatically sound. I believe but he were, still <laughs> holds the Guinness Book. Yes, that's right. He's the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, a record for most blog posts ever. Yeah. I mean, I assume someone like, maybe like... There's the, the, there's chipmunk. the chipmunk. Chipmunk just came. It might, it, oh, there's a, there's another one. I mean, maybe just no one has applied to, to beat... Like, it's possible, like, maybe Jason Kotke or something would beat Darren, right? Kotke, we'd like to know. he's been gone for 20 years. How many posts have you done? Can you give us a tally? Maybe you can win the Guinness World Record. Anyhow, but, um, and Gadget, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So anyhow, that's Laura, but Laura started writing on the internet. She had, she was a, a, a writer, English, an English major. Yes. I mean, in, when I was in 1996. She wrote a lot of, um, a lot of goth fanfic before fanfic existed. She wrote a lot of fanfic about Robert Smith of The Cure. I wasn't no, really that into true. the cure, but nobody nobody was really that into the cure. But uh, anyhow, but Len Laura started writing at Engadget. She she helped create The Verge, and now she's an acclaimed, frankly, more acclaimed than ever freelance I writer. Wouldn't. I don't know. What, You're yeah, highly acclaimed. Highly sure. acclaimed. She just highly wrote. Acclaimed. You may have seen a story that she wrote for the Hairpin, uh, detailing some of her favorite artists who play Telecasters, yes. uh, which created a bit of a firestorm, a bit of a controversy amongst the guitar playing community <laughs> because it was all women. Not just all women. I think it was some suggest. Well, most of the suggestions were like Springsteen and um, I don't know those other Led fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> like, like dudes who it, rock. Dudes it, just dudes but who also know how to just get there. It, I think the implication was that maybe I hadn't really somehow hadn't come across Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the guys who commented, and we assume they're guys, they might have been women, but we like, don't know. Hello. The people who commented were like, how could you leave out Bruce Springsteen? Or do you know who Bruce Springsteen is? Maybe check out Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, maybe listen to uh, Hello, Jimmy Page. Check out uh But there were other Led suggestions Zeppelin for a female, you know, like Hart and like yeah. whatever. That's and a good point. Mine were pretty... Hart? Well, it wasn't... Hart, they play Telecasters? Yeah. Uh, I don't recall that. I don't know. I have no recollection. I will of say any this: of of uh, my list was not really like these are the five best. 
It was like literally like here are six songs I like. Yeah. Goodbye. Courtney Barnett was in there. Courtney Barnett. Courtney Barnett, who PJ is a new, a new artist. PJ Harvey, not a new artist. Courtney Barnett, new artist hailing from Australia, I believe. She's Australian. Yes. Uh, Which was kind of a road, it was kind of a stumbling block for me in her music because uh, I, I generally like. She has a thick accent. I th- yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time when people sing, their accents disappear. And yeah. hers is like very, because she's sort of talk singing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I was like, does this, is this grating? I can't tell. It's grating, but then it becomes pleasurable. Then it becomes like really it's a lot like It's and- a lot like S&M when you think about it. Uh, you know, it's for, at first you're like, do I want that clamped on me? And then the next thing you know, you're like, yes, I do want it clamped on. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree we've been there many times. Um, but we're, we're going to see her oh, there's live. Another, there's another lot. chipmunk. Oh, his mouth is full of food. Look yeah, at that. Could he has be a, a lot of seeds. They have. A, they seem to have a network of tunnels underneath our house. Not unlike um, the way that the reptilian shapeshifters who control the Earth have a series of tunnels underneath the surface of the planet, where they're able to um, transport from one continent to another very quickly. What I find interesting about the chipmunks is yeah. that <laughs> I, I, maybe I just never observed it before because I, <clears throat> I I kind of grew up in the country or the suburbs or whatever, and there were definitely chipmunks around. Um, chipmunks do a lot more like. They appear to be thinking about like the big topics a lot. Like they, they, I, I, yes. I look out the window a lot and they see look, one like sitting on a fence or yeah. on the tree, and he just appears to be like watching the sunset. Or when it first started getting warm here, we we noticed that one of the chipmunks. Sorry, I'm just adjusting in in bed here to be more comfortable. One of the chipmunks seemed to in the early morning hours would get on a rock and just sort of look out. He's in, just gazing. Look out into the forest as if you know he were think he or she were thinking about the big picture. You know what does it all mean? Why am I here? You know what, did 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 we create God or did God create us? That kind of stuff. Right. Maybe it's, they're thinking about the, the shapeshifters. I don't the, know. Yeah, probably should thinking about the reptilian shapeshifters detailed in David Icke's thrilling encyclopedic the biggest secret if have if you read that book i've skimmed you talk it. about it a lot it sounds like a book you've it read had a, it I, had, a, I had, it had a, a in 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 the uh, early part of the 2000s i was touring with a band called weird war uh, i was playing drums with them and uh, uh michelle the guitar player who was also in several other great bands um had that book with with us in the tour bus tour was van. it wasn't a bus was it was a skimming? van she was re- i think she'd read it she was very into it and i became very into it because she was telling me about what was going on in the book and I mean, I, I could give you the basic. I reference it a lot because it's the zaniest. It's like the ultimate conspiracy theory. This it's, is like it crosses party lines, correct? It's Illuminati. I mean, it's not. What do you mean it crosses party lines? I mean, like the the reptiles are like. Oh no no no! Democrats, the repti- the reptile shapeshifters. I mean, there's a part of the book that talks about how how the reptilian shapeshifters, which are like the, all the presidents, all the kings and queens, all of the people who rule the world, that they're all reptile, alien reptile shapeshifters, and that. Um, and that like Bill Clinton and George Bush senior, you know, would be at these like black magic rituals, you know, Illuminati black magic. They, there's, they talk a lot about there's a, thought, a part that I thought was very interesting where they do. Um, they said that there's a lot of black sex magic that's used by the rep, reptiles uh, involving children. Um, where they're using them sexually somehow to store their darkest secrets, mm-hmm. which you know I think sounds totally logical to me. I think if you were if you were a reptile shapeshifter, where where better but to store your secrets than the mind of a child that you're having sex with? And so, <laughs> so anyhow, David Icke he wrote this book. It's huge. He I think he was like a football, I mean soccer commentator. Oh really? That's his original profession, and then I guess he, I'd love to know what his other works. And then are. he cracked open. I think you know things like I would, and I don't know that I don't know for sure, but I think I'm guessing something like the even bigger secret or <laughs> the biggest secret two secrets are you know revealed or something like that. But anyhow, so the so the idea is that there's a. I mean, this is like the ultimate. It takes all of the kind of like cosmic trigger stuff. If anybody knows cosmic trigger, you know, and behold a pale horse. These are classic conspiracy books. Uh, and you know the kind of info war stuff that I'm sure people are are used to on the internet. Um, Alex Jones. Um, Do you feel like we've outgrown some of this? I was just talking to some of my friends recently. It was a very 90s phenomenon. I think it was like very X around the X Files. Yes, there was a lot of conspiracy this, stuff. I was just talking to my friends about this. I feel like I was saying like, oh, you know, occasionally I say like maybe two years ago I was like, you know, I'm going to get really back into like goth stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like. You know that stuff has also has really come come back around. I feel like the the nineties ish goth. Well, the the the, but, the visuals of it. I don't know if the the spirit of the goth the, movement is right. back. The spirit is not. I mean, back. Trent Reznor is making uh, is making scores for Oscar winning. He's winning Oscars. You know, 
Where? Who's the spiritual? But, but, here's the, who's the spiritual owner of the goth vibe? Oh, like who's the person who best embodies? Is it Robert Smith? Is it Ooh. is it Morrissey? I mean, because there's a in like Morrissey's music. I mean, I the mean, Smith's music. There's something. Smith's different. music is not goth at all. But the vibe, Morrissey's vibe in the in the eighties and nineties is definitely like. Is I would it say Susie that and the, the Banshees? I would say that they're the foundation. The Smiths. Those British bands are like the foundation. Sure, but for you that. like who who would be in there? Who would be in there? I mean, Susie and the Banshees. You 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 have obviously the Cure. Um, th- those are very popular. What are the more obscure? I mean, then you've got like the more industrial side of it, where it's like Front Two Four Two and Knights or Ebb, right? And and um, uh, Ministry, obviously. Ministry, uh, the Q- Samhain, or what was uh what was his name? Oh no, the no. Misfits. Well, the Misfits, but the Misfits are pre-Goth. I think Danzig is core Danzig. goth. Danzig. Danzig is core goth. I'd say Danzig. Misfits are. I mean, the Misfits are just great rock and roll, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, you know, they may be my favorite rock and roll band. I ain't no goddamn but son beyond, of a bitch. You better beyond, think no. about it, baby. That's a lyric. That's a lyric in a Misfits song. No, but what? What? My question was this: We know that they are Chipmunk's they're back. remaking the X Files. They are remaking the X Files with a uh, slightly older, or not but, remaking, but they're rebooting. Slightly older, but no less beautiful, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. In fact, some way I think amazing. their age their age has been nothing but kind to them. My question is this: there, yes. there was a point at the in the '90s where not just I mean, like remember on Fox they also had like the alien autopsy things that yeah. were supposed to be real. I think, and I think all of this. Yes. Okay, my question is this: Has the internet? There's, you know, like you said, you, you brought up Infowars, which made me think of this. Yeah. There became this point when the internet became ubiquitous where it was like, everything's a fucking conspiracy, right? right. So now it's kind of like taken for granted. Yeah. So does that sort of, has that caused us to be like, are we ever going to really believe aliens are out there again? Like, I want to believe. <laughs> Of course you do. I mean, the posters. I the poster is right above our bed. Like when? It, just kidding. I mean, maybe I'm. You just believed too- in aliens when X Files was on? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I was also like 12 years old. I don't think there's any reason to not believe in aliens. I think the question is right. whether the I aliens mean, the are smart, doing the smart- experiments on human beings and human babies. The older I've gotten, the more <laughs> likely they've seemed to like be. But well, you know, the less likely it seemed that there's. You would think with like, the amount of information. To, you would think with the amount of information or, that's on the internet. We would have we would have Better gathered proof. more proof right of the aliens. Right. It doesn't seem like we That's have any problem. more proof now. Yeah, we There's, do have encyclopedic and crazy conspiracy sites. I mean, the biggest secret is like a is like a is like a you know a pamphlet by comparison to the amount of information about conspiracies that are on the internet. Right, but like that's the problem. Like the biggest secret seems really, all these things seem very quaint now. You know what I think has happened? If I can get a little bit deep and philosophical for a moment, I think that as we have seen the real conspiracies exposed in our world, um, you know, for instance, are the president and his government lying about weapons of mass destruction to start a war with Saddam Hussein, which is a real thing that happened that is provable. Uh, I think as we've started to see the exposure of those types of conspiracies where you've seen like massive corruption, Abu Ghraib, you know, all of these things, you know, torture, the things that are that seem totally fantastic, but are very real. I think that we've become less interested in the fant- the truly fantastic conspiracies of, you know, vampires or aliens or whatever, and more interested in the conspiracies of of our actual governments, which are uh, which yeah, are which are very real. I think that the, I was thinking about this when we were watching Game of Thrones, which is. I thought, what, why, you know, why is this the most popular show ever? It's yeah. like about dragons. Yeah. But really, it's not about dragons. What's, what it's actually about is politics. A really specific type of power struggle. Yeah. And I think it really explains why. I mean, so many people are outraged. I was just talking to uh, Maria Bustios about this. You know, the outrage that's come out of like the portrayal of women in the, in the show and the fact that they seem to be there just to like torture and rape and kill off i feel like that's the point of every character but in like that show. But that's also like but that is also like a very historically accurate i mean that is but the I way that history has worked for you know through power struggles with you know kings and queens and right whatever. no no i mean uh, obviously I, what, I just feel like game of thrones isn't that different from watching wolf hall wolf hall is an excellent show and when you and i have to say i recommend to everybody to watch wolf hall uh, which is so, based, which is based Chipmunks back, which is so, based on the Hillary Mantel books, uh, bringing up the bodies and Wolf Hall, and Wolf Hall, and uh, that will make you feel. I, when I watched Wolf Hall, maybe I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, maybe I haven't. It made me feel that the other TV that I was watching was so pedestrian and juvenile by comparison. When you when you watch the performances and listen to the dialogue of Wolf Hall, it's so sophisticated and so nuanced. 
Uh, it makes all other TV feel like you're watching Sesame Street. Yeah, and also it's like a six-part miniseries. It's so very it's short. Six, it's six eight, hours long, maybe, and it's based yeah. on two books, which aren't like massive books, but they're probably like 500 pages. They're large books. books. They're, 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 they're and it kind formidable. And the opposite. I think that the readership base of Wolf Hall and Game of Thrones is probably has a lot of crossover. But I will I think say there's this, a certain Venn, point, there's a Venn diagram where there's crossover, but yeah. I'm not sure how large and, um, the crossover point is. And I'm the Venn, I'm I'm the crossover. You're right in the Venn. You're I right read in the, the first two Game of Thrones books. <laughs> What's the part of the then, Venn diagram called where they meet? Don't ask me this because now I'm going to look stupid. No, I I, I have no. The, I don't know either. It's the the, 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 the fulcrum, the, the the part that gets the, colored in darkest. The the, the, the <laughs> I don't know the blend. The blend. It's like the it's like the apex. The 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 crux you basically asked a math question the crux of the and i don't know the crux of the van the crux of the van i don't know what it is my least favorite part of math like the i'm zenith, talking the zenith of the of the the zenith of the venn diagram go on do you always interrupt everyone this way i think that <laughs> just, i think I'm that my list kidding. no no you're not kidding and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that i think okay. We can edit this part out if you don't. No, mind. no, no. We usually leave it. I want everybody to see what I have to put up with every day. No, um, I think that I inter- I'm interrupting you more than most people because we talk a lot, and I think I have no. I am known for interrupting, though. Okay. My conversation style, generally speaking, is one of a continuous. I, I believe in continuous interruption as a conversation style. I actually am. I have a problem with people who have a problem with interruptions because I feel like the best conversations are ones where there are a lot of interruptions. Personally speaking, I'm not anti-interruption, but um, I think it's sometimes. Sometimes I lose my train of thought when I get interrupted. Yeah, what were you trying to say? Um, yeah, I don't remember. I was trying to come up with the, the zenith. What the oh, middle we were of talking the, about Venn diagrams, right? You were saying and you were I was the middle say, of the Venn I was, diagram. I was going to say that my least favorite part of like elementary mathematics was the part where they taught you how to make like the different charts and bar graphs and stuff. And I think that Venn diagrams maybe are in that general education area. Is that why you don't know the That's n- why I, yeah, that's I was trying to explain why I don't know. Do you think that the goth the goth wave peaked with the matrix? Do you think that was the end of goth? That's nineteen. No, I think that was the beginning of new goth. Where like you get the uh what are those bands? Like the the band that redid Blue Monday. Oh, Orgy. Orgy. Yeah. Like that was I mean the, where Orgy's such the a new nut. it was like new goth where it was like the, there was like a real anime flair. Um Oh, it's kind of like what begat Lincoln Park. Yes. Lincoln yeah. Park uh, watered down and mainstreamed to a really and 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 what was the other band that's interesting um i mean i love i could talk about this endlessly the way that these things definitely like like it's you know like the way that like pearl gem begat creed begat like whatever i think that these are more that's interesting to think about actually is the evolution of goth when you see there is a turning point where lincoln park's definitely had definitely inherited evanescence would be another one i would say that inherited like the goth vibe yes um the bands get a lot less cool everything gets progressively less cool yeah how much do you think that the matrix was responsible for that um they didn't really have a lot of goth music it would be really interesting to look at the matrix soundtrack it's not it's there's a lot of techno on it i think there's some right well because i think the techno i think techno actually inherited a lot of the like mall goths from the 90s like no i I mean i personally knew most of them were like actually a few years younger than me they were like my brother's age Mm -hmm. but there definitely were like kids who were like goth through middle school and high school and then like the rave thing happened and that was where they found their home well there is definitely the they rave, what's interesting about rave what's in, well, I mean, we're, we're talking about the past right now we're talking about yesterday which i often do on the tomorrow podcast but you know there is it is interesting that that the rave culture definitely absorbed a lot of like let's say hippie culture and goth culture but then it got into that weird middling place in the early 2000s post 9-11 really where uh, you know, nobody wanted to party and Hot Topic was selling increasingly larger pants, <laughs> but dark, but dark colored pants like Jenko was done. <laughs> and then you had these dark, very dark, large pants. And it was like kind of this weird combination of, you know, it was sort of like, what was what's the Japanese thing where the girls I mean, dress up way, like princesses? It really is, in a way, it really is the uh, the movement from the 60s to the 70s, where, you know, if, if anyone tells a narrative of like the 60s to the 70s, it's like 60s hippie love culture, 70s disco cocaine drugs everyone's upset yeah things got dark and it turns into the 80s and the 80s are even darker darker still i think that that was like the 90s like around the time i was like a very young teenager what were the 90s the 60s yeah right because remember like 
the opening of the 90s was like uh like delight was back like everyone was like we're gonna be hippies right. and, and the, weird and, like whatever and bill clinton was, pres- and became bill clinton president. was president he and was then, like a sax playing cool president yeah and, and then, everybody was like and then, and then the economy and then, was amazing and then rave started happening yeah. rave culture got imported yeah and that seemed like it was like a big party a happy party and then it was like oh everyone's on drugs bad 9-11 yeah and then 9-11 and then that <laughs> took us into a very dark de- right. at least a decade of dark total darkness and this is kind of related to what i was saying to you the other day where which has always been not always been about two years ago i came up with the theory that um the 2000s started in 1998 um and i would say if i had to put my finger on culturally or musically from a calendar perspective i would put it on the um if i had to pick one record that said the 90s are over the 2000s have started it is this is hardcore by pulp very dark record, Jarvis Cocker in yeah, a very dark it's place. Super depressing. Addicted to cocaine, and I think <laughs> going it? through. I think I believe so, and going through a bad breakup. Anyhow, we should take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk not just about yesterday, but tomorrow, because I feel like if we don't, I'm not really living up to the promise of this podcast. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. I want to talk to you about igloo. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. It's built with easy-to-use apps like file sharing, calendars, social news feeds, and task management. Plus, with Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do work. Your favorite intranet is also mobile. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving the client's site, and access the latest version of a file from home. And who doesn't like to work in their pajamas or in the nude, as I do? Everything is mobile, and work should be too. You can get started with a free trial today at igloosoftware.com slash tomorrow and invite up to 10 of your favorite people. That's igloosoftware.com slash tomorrow. This episode of Tomorrow with Joshua Topolsky is brought to you by Nadex, binary options trading. The world's markets are changing. So are innovations in how we trade them. With limited risk and a simple yes-no design, Nadex Binary Options offer an affordable, exciting new way to participate in the markets. Nadex is the first CFTC-regulated, U.S.-based binary options exchange, offering thousands of short-term trading opportunities daily and weekly. Trade a wide range of markets, Forex, commodities, U.S. and global stock indices, even Bitcoin, all from one account. Binary Options ask a simple question. Will this market be above this price at this specific time, yes or no? If you're right, you profit and get the full $100. If you're wrong, you lose what you paid up front, but no more. Trade from your mobile, tablet, or PC. Go to nadex.com. That's N-A-D-E-X.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involve risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. We're back with Laura June, acclaimed writer, uh, author of a heartbreaking work of staggering genius, and my wife. Yeah. Is it is it a heartbreaking work of staggering genius? It is. Yes. I sometimes think it's like a staggering Dave work Eggers. of heartbreaking genius. It's his first. I don't know if it was his actual first book, but it was definitely the first book of his uh, that I read. First one that mattered. I believe that it is his first book. Anyhow, so um, not, I'm not a fan, but we were talking about goth. Well, I hope he's not listening to this. I'm a fan of some of his other work. Oh, plenty of it. But I, Dave Eggers, if you're listening, and you probably are, uh, <laughs> please accept my apologies on behalf of Laura for those rude, rude <laughs> remarks about your work, your excellent work. It is excellent. I don't know. I haven't read it. So you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I don't have time to read large or even medium-sized books. Like, for instance, I gave up on Game of Thrones. I mean, that was, How many books did you read? I read the first two and I started the third. I was about a th- that's when the show started. I was about I was about a, th- a quarter of a, of the way through the third, and no, but the third book is also I actually might have gotten to be about halfway through. The third book is so slow; it's incredible. And and I remember Ma- actually Magnus, our uh, my Swedish producer, he's read all of them. He's a big I don't know if he's read all of them, but he's a big fan of the books. And he was like he really was encouraging me to. Oh, I gotta get some gotta get some club soda in my mouth. Um, he was really encouraging me to to soldier on with the book because it was a there was a big payoff, and I think it's the book that ends with. Spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the show or read any of the books. I think it ends with, the red wedding. Ah, uh, okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I think the third book is the book that ends with the red wedding. So uh, the 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 Game of Thrones books i started reading them because you did and basically because i 
I think, you know, whatever uh, we could say about each other, I read more than you do. Oh. I have more time. I don't like the implications of whatever we can say so about each other. So generally, you, you know, do read when, a lot more than you me. Read something you read something and you like, No, honey, you read a lot more books than me. Yes. And so, generally, other things. So generally, when you recommend something to me, I'm like, oh, you know, it's not necessarily... Like, I started reading... Basically, hadn't really read any comics until until I met you. Yeah, and then you were like, "Read this, this, this," and then I just read all of them. I got you hooked on comics. So what happened? What was the first comic? Do you remember the first comic guy that I suggested to you? I think the first one I read was from Hell. Really? Yeah, I think so. I recommended that to you. Yeah, well, I guess that's possible. You sure it wasn't League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or no? Because I've never read that. Oh, that's your loss because it's um, amazing. I definitely, and then I it wasn't, progressively. It wasn't The Dark Knight Returns. I've read The Dark Knight Returns. It wasn't Secret Wars. Secret your, Wars is confusing. I, I read your one. I've never read Secret Wars, but I, I read, the most confusing one I read was the, the Marvel one where everything fucks up and just resets and is destroyed and then. That is, um, that is uh, Crisis <laughs> in, in, on Infinite Earths. Christ, yeah. Can I just say something? So Secret Wars and Crisis on Infinite Earths have a lot in common, but I mean, they have many things in common, but Secret Wars, I mean, I started reading Secret Wars in the, in the, in the 80s when it came out, I think it was 1985 because I was reading Spider-Man comic books and the Spider-Man story intersected with Secret Wars in a way that was so insanely significant. And, and anybody who's ever read Spider-Man, particularly people who grew up in the 80s and read Spider-Man won't remember this. When Spider-Man got a new suit, uh, which is the Venoms, we became the Venom suit, which is the black. It looks so awesome. It was the black suit with the white, big white spider on it. Yeah, I remember. And, I mean, I, uh, I've seen that. And he gets the suit during Secret Wars, which is like a, you know, it's an alien symbi- symbiote, symbiote, symbiote. I don't know how you pronounce that correctly, but one of those, one of those is the Australian pronunciation. One of them is the English pronunciation, but um, the British pronunciation. I mean, um, I don't like Spider Man. All right, we're going to have to... I mean, <laughs> the Spider-Man of the comics... I mean, I think for kids, Spider-Man was really awesome because... Sure, yeah, no, because no Spider, I that. Because Spider-Man's like, he's kind of a kid and he has like, you know, his abilities are... His stories like really seems like, of all the superheroes, seems kind of plausible. You're like, oh, he was bit by a radioactive spider and he got spider abilities. And you're like, yeah, I guess I could see that happening. Yeah. Unlike Superman who was born on an alien planet and got like shot to the Earth. Right. Which seems a little bit harder I'm reading conceive. Wonder Woman right now, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah, Wonder Woman is uh, is from a planet called. She's basically from. She's is it like ancient Amaz- Greek. Is it like Amazonia yeah, or something? She's, what yeah. is her planet called? Uh, is it a planet? It's it's not a planet. It's like basically. I mean, it's another. It is another planet, I guess. In so their, it is a in their in their whatever. Like I'm the one I'm reading now is called Down to Earth. Yeah. This is, I can't. I don't know if this conversation. Sorry for interrupting you. I don't know if this is a good conversation or not. I'm enjoying it, but it's very weird. Keep going. Well, I was, I was, I was starting to talk about Game of Thrones, but then somehow we got to like me reading comic books because of you. That's my fault. You were saying that you because I recommended Game of Thrones to you. I don't know if you, you recommended I, it, but you were reading it, and I felt the competing need to like have like I wanted to yeah. talk to you about it. This yeah. is before the show existed, right? And someone had told you to read to read the books. And actually, let me tell you who told me. Was it Gavin? Gavin Purcell, who's the producer of The Tonight Show, formerly producer of Late Night, who's also a huge nerd. He was at G4 before that working on Attack of the Show. And he's a really nerdy guy. He's super smart and awesome. And, you know, I should have him on the podcast. He would be an, a, a very interesting guest I bet to he have. would love to talk to you well, about Well, I don't know if he does podcasts, but I'm going to ask him now. But Gavin Purcell, I think... Uh, I can't remember the circumstances. I don't know where we had the conversation, but I remember him strongly recommending the books. And I distinctly, the part I remember was saying, like, are there dragons in it? And and his response, because I think, I don't know how far in he was. He was like, not like the way you would expect. And I think that has held true for many in Yeah, many ways. definitely. But uh, so what happened for me was Game of Thrones, I think this is the only experience of my life that this has happened where... Because, you know, obviously books are like the fodder for a lot of TV shows now, um, historically lots of movies. Um, And, you know, normally I read a book and then I watch like all the movie versions because even though I said I I don't like that Dave Eggers book, I I do like most things I read. I, you know, I'm pretty good at picking. So I was reading, you know, the second and third Game of Thrones book and I was enjoying it, thought it was great when the show started. And then I remember there was a point halfway through the first season where I thought, oh, this is good enough for me. I'm yeah. good enough with the TV show. Well, I don't need to continue reading. Well, I think what one thing... And I, I think that's never happened to me before. Well, I think one thing that I that I learned, and I think a lot of people have learned from Game of Thrones, at least this is the way I feel, is that the 
film version of a book now seems so lacking and so because it's so short so tiny and and so hard right. to pull off like now when i see when i read a really good book and i think about what it should be like watchmen is a great example which is a graphic novel but it's really a book i mean i mean it's a graphic novel and a book in many ways but you know, and graphic novels are books. Uh, but Watchmen was made into a very fine two and a half hour. I mean, it was an affair, a mediocre yeah. two and a half hour movie or three hour movie, depending on the cut you watch. But all I can all I can think is that if you were able to give the Game of Thrones treatment, just say let's just say two seasons or three seasons of the of the Watchmen of Watchmen as a show right. on HBO, can you imagine how good and detailed and like meaningful that story would be? Versus, and I know I mean don't deviate from the book. I mean do the book be true to the book as much as possible, and you know, and still make a compelling story. I just think that when, when Game of Thrones, what really is stark and clear about it is that no pun intended on the Stark stuff, but what's clear is oh, pretty good. Um, you can make a really good you can tell the same story almost the same story in an in a 10 part or a 12 part season of a show as you can in a thousand page novel yes and i think actually um i think that the first show that made me sort of start to roll this around in my head was dexter because dexter was a show that was at the very beginning was really good. Fantastic first few seasons. And I watched it basically because I was a fan of Michael C. Hall. Because you're sexually sexually obsessed with Michael C. Hall. I I was not sexually attracted to Michael C. Hall, though he is really, really handsome and He's a good-looking guy in a weird way. I mean, I didn't think he was good-looking when I first saw him. And then the more... Maybe this is a testament to his ability as an actor. He's a fantastic actor. He's an amazing actor, but he became more attractive... As I watched him perform. But Dexter is based on a sort of popular novel that a series of novels. The first season is about the first book. It's like maybe a 300 page book. It's not a great book. I would put it in the realm of like. Is it Darkly Dan- Dreaming Dexter? Is that I the think name so. of it? Yeah. All I the would, books have names that have like, like three a, Ds, right? I would say it's more in the realm of like pulpy. It's not like literary fiction. Are they all three D names? Yes, I think so. Really? Uh, I don't know. I only ever read the first book. Oh, okay. Because I remember watching it, and I think this was also really the first show we were like, we're going to just download everything and watch it. Like, I remember Legally, specifically- of course. I remember specifically like staying awake very late, like three in the morning, yeah. we'd watch like five of them. No, I think we pirated it because I and, didn't have HBO And I remember the first time that, um, it was really the first time I thought, oh, maybe movies are like- the midway art form maybe the oh, real art form I think is actually is no, I, serial television let me tell you something i think this is true and this actually is is something that i think is really important as we move into whatever future state of entertainment that we're moving into the like film, two hours isn't enough time to do anything the film is the film is it, i mean there's a there's definitely a type of story that works for film you know and i think things written for film are totally workable totally enjoyable you know but i think you even see it in 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 modern filmmakers like christopher nolan keeps making these three-hour movies i think the reason is not because he you know has you want has so much to say that he needs to be packed into three hours it's that he's trying to cram in far more than three hours into three hours yeah and, he gets and it's to like, really hard to tell edit. a story in three it's, hours no i mean i think the tv i think well let's let's start i mean we can't call it tv anymore because it's nobody watch i mean you watch it on tv but it's not television the way that we've sort of traditionally thought of it but i think that those types of serialized narratives broken up over you know 8 10 12 24 episodes whatever it is i think that's the future of storytelling in a visual medium i mean i don't think that movies i think movies are are a midway point i do think that there's something that's so rich and so engaging particularly about shows like you know you when look they're at, good well when I mean, they're good obviously, obviously like like uh, transparent we watched right. Transparent, you know, once we saw the first pilot episode and then once we got the, uh, the once it was released, you watch all of them straight through and it's so good. I mean, Game of Thrones, if I could, I mean, I think TV, I think the biggest problem right now is, and we were talking about the last season of Mad Men. Yes. And the last season of Mad Men, I think it seemed really bad to me for the first, I mean, the, the last half of the last season yes it seemed pretty bad to me except until like maybe the last three episodes or two episodes yeah i mean felt like even were, then even then i wasn't sure that those it were that felt like great. it was aware of its own end which is it, not and it seemed to be spinning its wheels but I, what i think is that had i if said somebody said the six episodes are done here they are or the eight episodes are done or however many were there the, there were and, you watched them and like i watched them days. straight through i think that it would have been a totally different experience and i think that you know 
a lot of people have the time and inclination to binge watch something. And I think that the binge watching is preferable. Um, but I also think that the, the uh, being allowed to tell a story that continues from piece to piece, um, uninterrupted, really. I mean, uninterrupted except for that delay between It's episodes. definitely a different experience. We've talked about this, which is that whatever the previous season to the last season of Mad Men was, we watched, you know, week in, week out, every week for an hour. And we were like, this kind of sucks. I think it was the fifth season. And then we rewatched everything uh, this year before the final whatever four or six episodes ran and i we you know both agreed like oh that season's actually really good yeah i i just think that that we're we're running up against these sort of old notions of how you're supposed to get entertainment or be entertained and the reality is that the new ways are much better and much more suited to um we have way more options to watch they're much more suited to i think the modern mindset i mean i think that you know i mean the uh, there's just something about i mean we're 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 an increasingly immersive culture i think that that there's something everything that we're doing is increasingly immersive it's increasingly i mean you look at vr but that said let's talk about some like we were just talking about this last night i was just were we i was just thinking well when we were talking about this i was thinking like well what as a movie works and we the last movie we saw in a theater was mad max now this is a story that doesn't have a lot of nuance <laughs> mad max works right? as a film i mean like if i had to say yeah. what is the story of mad max it would be i could tell you in five minutes uh, maybe three uh, that's sentences. A pretty, that's a pretty complicated story Is in it? some ways. I mean, actually, I can think of easier. I mean, there are more complicated stories that are easier to describe in three sentences than Mad Max. Right, but it would all be context, right? I mean, how would you? Okay, give, tell me the plot of Mad Max in 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 like three sentences or less. Um. So there's been like an apocalyptic event, and the remaining people have sort of sucked up. The, the the remaining people are, you know, divided into two groups, basically. The people who rule and the peasants and slaves. And the people who rule have a weirdly vague, undescribed access to all of the water and all of the resources. This is way more than three sentences okay. right now. No, it, it is. I think but I could do this. it's all context. It's all I background. I do this better. Well, you're giving me context. What's it? I, I'm in an elevator. We, we're going down. You've got 60 seconds. What are you telling me about the, the plot of Mad Max is? No, you tell me. Oh, um, in an apocalyptic wasteland, a man is on the run from <laughs> a man is on the run from some villains. We don't know who they are or what they want, and uh, his only instinct in this in this hellish world that he lives in is to survive uh, until he finds a reason for existing in the savior of other people. That's true. He meets a woman. Well, women women are a great reason what to, the, to keep living. What's the David Lynch description of all of his movies? David Lynch has the greatest. So David Lynch, I've seen, I believe, on the Tonight Show twice, um, to talk about first to talk about Lost Highway, and second to talk about Mulholland Drive. Those are those movies go back to back for him, I believe. I could yes, be wrong. There I might have been so. something in between. But when he went on to talk about uh, Lost Highway, these are the greatest. These I think the greatest description from a director of his films in the like most awa- amazing venue to give this description. David Lynch was asked by Jay Leno, what is the, so what's it lost highway. Can you tell us what this movie is about? Right. And David Lynch says, it's about a man in trouble. And then they yeah. roll, and then they roll, that's all he says about it. And then they roll the clip, right? Which is the clip of Robert Blake at a party talking to the main character the played scariest. by, played by Bill Pullman, which is this, the scene, if you haven't seen lost highway, please go and watch it immediately. It has one. I'm not going to ruin it anymore. Look at this chipmunk is trying to eat one of these flowers here. This is incredible. The chipmunks are really active. Well, and then I, he went on, hold on, and then he went on to talk about Mulholland Drive. And Jay Leno says, Can you tell us what Mulholland Drive is? What's this film about? And he says, It's about a woman in trouble. And then they rolled the clip. And that's it. And I and think that's that, a perfect description of I think all that's a, most I mean, movies. You could say Mad Max is about a man, a man and woman in trouble. Right. It's about men and women in trouble. But, that's pretty much every movie. Right. But last night and every book. It's but true. last night we were talking about two. What I would say this is where I come up against the idea that like movies as an art form are not here to stay. Then I think of like my two. What I think of the two best movies that are just currently brewing in my head, which are um, Zodiac, mm-hmm. David Fincher, yeah, and Silence of the Lambs, which I think are you know both of a films, kind. Yeah, they're both excellent films, both about, about serial killers. I mean, I definitely, sure, I could have watched a series that David Fincher directed about Zodiac that lasted 12 hours. Well, I, I, I will give you True Detective. But I think it's a beautiful movie. But I think, but I think True Detective 
True Detective season one, I mean, I know people have a problem with the depiction of female characters in it. Uh, you know, that notwithstanding, that critique notwithstanding, and, you know, that's not my, I don't offer that criticism of the of the show. You know, it, it is what it is. You're a misogynist. I'm a terrible misogynist and obviously part of the patriarchy and I must be brought down. But uh, True Detective to me is like Silence of the Lambs over 10 episodes or eight episodes or eight, 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 eight. Ooh, I don't know. Eight hours, nine hours. That. I think, I thought that, I thought I think in some ways it's it delivers more than what the silence of the oh lambs my God. could possibly deliver. Okay, let's let's move on. You know, I want I want I do want to talk about the election. Okay, let's talk about it. Wow, really shifting gears. Well, here. I read a from serial I, killers to the upcoming presidential election, which I guess do have some. I read a quote from Kim Gordon. Kim Gordon of, uh, of the band Sonic Youth, Sonic Youth, who has written, recently written a memoir of her yes. time in Sonic Youth, yes, and her the deterioration of her marriage, sure, to Thurston Moore, Moore, whose name is absurd when you say it out loud. Yes, is that a real name, Thurston Moore? That, I believe it's his real name. He's a, what is he a blue blood or something? He comes from some, um, from money. I don't know where I, I Thurston Moore didn't just appear in the world with that name. I, I don't know. Anyhow, I don't. I don't know his ahead. Genealogy. I should look it up. We really should. I should do a family tree of Thurston Moore right after this. Anyway, I, I I read a quote from her that I think perfectly sums up my feeling about, and this has to do with gender. When you're a woman, and people ask you anything, if you ever have occasion to comment on the affairs of the world, as Kim Gordon does, right? She's not a politician, but she's a famous person. So she was in an interview, and someone said. How do you feel about Hillary Clinton? And I don't know what the exact quote was, but her basic response was, all I can tell you is I will never vote for a Republican. Mm. Okay. So then she went on to talk about, you know, other possible candidates. So I guess my thing, and I think this is a gender thing. I think the, the problem is that when you're a woman, people assume that you're going to be really gung-ho for Hillary Clinton. And I'm feeling very conflicted about that gung-ho-ness, right? Like, there are things about her that I like. That's like like the assumption. But they're largely, like, nostalgia, which are... She reminds me of a... To get back to the 90s, she reminds me of a very good... You know, Bill Clinton was the first person I ever voted for. But doesn't that... But doesn't that... Isn't that very much like what the Sarah Palin argument was? I mean, in some ways that almost she was making and that her party was making... You know, it's like how can oh, you yeah. be a woman no, and not her in. and not vote for Sarah Palin? You right, know? which is insane because her policies and ideas and right. But I feel very I mean, everything. Everything about, about her Clinton. was everything about her, and everything about her continues to be comp- like bankrupt one hundred percent. And so the idea that just because she's a woman that you would vote for her, same thing about Hillary Clinton. I don't. No, I'm not saying she's her. She's as far away from Sarah Palin as one can get. She is. She's the, very. She's, she's the polar much, opposite, much and I don't she's just great. mean. I don't just mean in beliefs. I mean she is an intelligent, accomplished um, uh, a woman who who has earned everything that she has, and unlike Sarah Palin. Um, but yeah, but I, I I think like my main thing is like I'm starting to already sense this this early, which is, and maybe she won't be the candidate, but it seems like she. Will be. She's going to be the candidate. I mean, who else is there for the, for the Democrats? Also, I do think. And I voted for her in the primary before Obama. You voted against Obama. I did. I see this thing already. I see so many, um, you know, writers and uh, commentators and thinkers just assuming like that it's every like all women are going to vote for her because it's like it's like a thing. It's like solidarity we want a woman to be president. I want yeah. a woman to be president. I do. You want the right woman though. Right. I mean, I mean, what about what about Bernie Bernie Sanders? I mean, I may vote for him in the primary. I think. What the hell was I thinking? Did Something I about say? Hillary Rodham Clinton. Oh fuck! Is she the right oh, woman? No, I remember. Um, and this sounds kind of like overly precious or whatever, but I remember when the uh, school shooting happened at Newton mm. in Massachusetts. Newtown. I Newtown. Believe. Sorry. I. I, I it's Newton is a different place. Oh yes, okay. I'm I'm thinking of I'm I'm mixing up two no big events. Deal. No big deal. I'm not the I'm not a geography Magnus can expert. Magnus edit that. Magnus will fix that. When the school shooting happened, I remember thinking, and I may have tweeted about it, um, that I would never vote for another candidate uh, who didn't like have a really tough stance on gun control, which I think is the most important issue like that we well, can do something about it's certainly an issue you know? of the moment given like i'm the, not gonna get like the church shooting 
Right. I'm not going to get like a, a presidential candidate who's really awesome about the environment because like that's just not going to happen. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's it, it's it's a well known fact, uh, or at least it's it's a a fairly well known fact um, that that many many Americans, I believe it might be the majority, are are in favor of stronger gun control, and uh, you know, it's pretty obvious to me the justifications for for rampant gun ownership and um you know people people are going to hate me for saying this and i was tweeting about it the other day and i got a lot of you know angry tweets back i just think that uh, other developed nations other forward thinking nations european countries many of them japan i mean asian countries i mean so many there's too many to list here um they don't let their citizenry have guns the way we do and there are fewer people dying there are fewer people being murdered. There are fewer people many, many dying fewer. from from gun from gun related incidents, and there are there are way fewer mass murders. And because and, of it, they don't have to have the death penalty either. Well, I mean, that's another point is that we're behind on on our thinking around the death penalty. Um, it's a very death focused society. We have. no America's obsessed with death. We we love action. We love cowboys. We love death. I mean, and and all of our all of our entertainment reflects that, you know. But I I, I think we should, you know, I'd be happy to relegate that to entertainment. Um, and move on in real life to things that aren't death focused, you know, because I do think that we are. Um, but I think also like this, the shooting and the shooting um, that just occurred exposes. And I think this actually happened during Obama's campaign. And and actually, Sarah Palin, we talked about earlier today, mm-hmm. I think it exposed a, a part of America that is a very sad um, relic, which is ra- the racist America. And and increasingly, like we've seen in these in these shootings in, in you know, well, killings all over the place in America, cops killing people and now people, you know, sort of randomly shooting people. It's all people. fucking white people. Well, white people, white people have <laughs> got to be stopped. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but... It's like uh, crazy white dudes. White, white men are uh, the enemy for the most part and we've got to, we've got to put a stop to them. Uh, it's the same people commenting on my white, article about Bruce Springsteen. Speaking <laughs> as a white man, I mean, white men need to chill the fuck out. There's no question. Like, dudes just need to chill. Uh, you know, this guy, Dylan Roof, or whatever his name is, was like the worst kind of white dude. Um, he was extremely not chill. Well, he was racist and awful. And, and, and you know, but the, you know, what's really sad about it is like, there's just a tremendous amount of ignorance in this country that still, that, you know, to this day persists and, and like, we can't shake it. And it's going to take a long time to shake it. And I think that, you know, the one thing I'll say about having a female president, um, whoever she is, and this even goes for Sarah Palin, although like the idea of her as president is the most frightening thing that I can conjure for this country luckily we don't have to worry about that ever you know it takes us one step further into into a place of uh of of development and right so is that in an in and of itself like an argument i think there's an argument to be to say this we have to break up we have to, you know, we have to we elect have to the, we have to elect the, the best person. We have to elect the best person. I'm not going to say the patriarchy, but we have to do away with outmoded ways of thinking and outmoded ways of doing things. And I think one of those things is this assumption that all CEOs and all presidents are white, old white guys, you know, right. because, because that actually doesn't yield the best results. What yields the best results time and time again is, is diversity and different ways of thinking, you know, like different viewpoints are valuable because they give people an opportunity to really exercise their brains and to think different ways. And when you start to think about things differently, you start to do things differently. And that leads to progress. Like that is what progress is. You know, that is what progressiveness is. And, you know, what I think is most troubling about um, the Republican Party is I, I would love for there to be a Republican candidate that represented progressive thinking with other like conservative assets in the mix, you know, right. you don't it's have pretty opposed there to their is no, entire like, like, I get, I get the, you know, I get like socially progressive, financially conservative or conservative, conservative about government spending, but, but very progressive about social issues. You know, that isn't a Republican candidate that exists. And unfortunately for the Republicans, like, I think that they are I mean, totally that's... out of step with the, with the progress of society as a whole, you know? And like, I'm not saying that Democrats can be just as bad as Republicans. There are plenty of bad ones. And it's unfair in this country that we only get two choices. We have to choose this party or that party. You know, a binary option is not really that appealing. I mean, I spent most of my, you know, early 20s voting for Green Party candidates. And, right. You, th- you spent, you know. you're right. You threw away your votes on people like Ralph Nader. Yeah. And actually, in many times. ways, in many ways, several in many ways, helped the Republican Party by throwing away a vote that otherwise would have gone to a Democrat. So uh, thanks a lot for <laughs> I mean, you're probably partially responsible for George Bush ever being elected. Who'd you vote no, for in that election? I voted for Al Gore. Al Gore would have been a great president. 
And I'm sad. Great, I don't know. Good, definitely. He'd have been an interesting president. Let's put it interesting. that way. Interesting. He definitely cares about the environment, which makes him yeah better than most. I'm gonna get, uh, again, I just want to say, this is a very... All the hate mail that you're thinking about is the sending. environment a really environment Al Gore Republicans Democrats men women you know how about uh, blacks how about, and whites how about, how about vegetarianism is that well vegetarianism of course is the way forward for the world and and as everybody knows I think Kaki actually just wrote something about I this I was reading this uh, Wonder Woman comic where she she talks about her vegetarianism she's sort of like <laughs> I didn't know this about Wonder Woman but she's like very outspoken about her vegetarianism I didn't she's know like that this either. ambassador to, from her from her planet to the u.s is and that like, true yeah well that and, makes wonder woman way more awesome no she's like super into it and she's like talks about how you can't you know i mean it's it's really crazy i had no idea how you I mean, can't what i knew that she was political to start with because she's like a feminist that's her thing but i didn't realize that she was also very i mean she's like politically anti-violent and politically anti-war and yet she does politically do a, lot of a vegetarian she does do a lot of violence to criminals and villains yeah you can't does. you can't deny that um anyhow so well, how are you gonna spend the mail, rest of your father's day you hold on you have to send the hate mail to magnus at tomorrowpodcast.com <laughs> he'll be this is a good gag I he'll like be it. parsing all of the all of the email that you send to me and of course feel free to be as graphic as you'd like um particularly about magnus um you could also be graphic about me if you if you're interested. What were you saying? How am I going to spend the rest of my father's day? I was going to ask you day? how you were going to spend the rest of your father's day. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'll drink. I'm going to drink at some point. We had a glass of a little bit of a glass of wine, but and I got to say I liked it. And I think I'll have more alcohol. Um, I got a beautiful gift from Zelda. I Facetimed. I Facetimed with my dad and my mom. They got to see Zelda. Uh, and now I don't know. I just want to relax. I just want to relax. I want to take it easy. I want I think to. We hang. have to go to the grocery store. I want to go to the grocery store. That's something that I that I think is going to be a lot of fun for Father's Day. Um, I enjoy. I love going to the grocery store. I think it's like one of the most enjoyable just person activities. Well, we lived in Brooklyn for fifteen years, or I mean, I lived right, there for so we fifteen didn't, years. I mean, we would you, go to Trader Joe's or whole like the Whole Foods yeah. in Gowanus. It's not pleasurable. The Whole Foods was pretty pleasurable. Oh, Whole Foods in Guanas is But that not was bad. like the last six months we lived if there. You live in a, if you live in a congested city, going to the grocery store is not fun. It's hard to drive there. If you drive, you know, then it's usually packed, especially in New York. Going to the grocery store uh, out here in the country is, is, a, is a dream. It really is. It's amazing. a joy. So, yeah, we'll go to the grocery store. That'll be good. I don't know. I'm listening. I'm a, I'm a man of simple needs and simple uh, tastes. I mean, probably not that simple when you think about it. But I don't, I'm not like a guy who has a lot of hobbies. I know it's my it's hobby. Really odd. My hobby is my work. Yeah. I mean, what I do is. This I don't. Is, I don't think that's you don't have hobbies. It's like you don't actually like activities. I was thinking about this with vacationing. Like we're both really bad at vacationing in really sim- different ways. Like I love like touristing, mm-hmm. and you kind of don't. That's right. But both of us have this like inability to detach from our i'm really bad at traveling generally because i don't like not being at home so when i travel um i was thinking about when we went to paris uh you know three or four years ago yeah um one of the first things i always think about when i think about paris you know beyond like oh the museums or we went to the cemetery where jim morrison's buried i the one of the first things that comes up in my mind is that i read the interpreter of mal- uh, melodies and the hours there, which is like sounds like a really shitty way to spend time in Paris. I didn't know you had that much time to read. Well, you were sick. You got I did food get, poisoning. I did get horrible food poisoning in Paris, and, and you I were was in food poisoning. I was and down I would, and like, out go for to like this three little days. For, it's like, kind of two a days. kind of a bummer. I was literally the yeah. sickest I've ever been for but, two like, days. I definitely could have like just gone other places myself, but instead I just went to a bookstore and bought books and sat there and read them. Um, and that's partially because I'm so bad at traveling that I need to feel like grounded. Sure. So I like travel with my personal. I just don't, yeah, I don't like activities. I don't like going on. I don't like if but somebody were like, like if somebody was like, we're going to go on a hike today. I'd say, yeah, that sounds like it sucks. I don't want to do that. But if like if we if I just started walking somewhere and I, and I ended up walking for several hours, I don't know that I would think that that sucked. Right. But but you know, I, I don't like to. I don't like. I think I have a really scheduled life. Like I have a lot of meetings. I, I have, you know, you know, news moves at a certain pace at a certain time. And so I like to, in my downtime, I like to spend time doing nothing. I like the idea of no time limit. I like the idea of this is just going to go on until it's over. And I'm not going to think about the beginning or the middle right. of the end. Like speaking of things we argue about. I'm going to play video game. I'm going to play a video game tonight. Which is that like, I think we do this thing a lot when we're 
like home together, which yeah. is usually just on the weekends. Because you know the baby wakes up, and By the so way, she. I, can I just say I almost just fell off the bed. She. Say <laughs> I leaned back. That would be a really great way to end this. <laughs> it would be a really good way. Anyhow, um, what were you saying? You know, she wakes up or whatever, eight or nine o'clock, and then you know she has to eat, and then like so basically her sleeping and eating schedule determines my day every day, whether I'm with her or whether she's with you or her yeah. nanny or whatever. Yeah. I'm aware of that schedule in my head yes. all the time, and I feel like so when we get up and I feed her. And then I'm like, what do you want to do today? Because we have to do this in the time before she naps right. or in the time after. And you're like a very slow, like you're not ready to just like get up, have a cup of coffee and leave. No, I hate And that. I'm like, I got to go. I mean, I can. Because I got two hours I can. before she right. starts to be ready to go to sleep. Again. I can, but I hate it. I mean, if I, if I had it, if I had it my way. I can way, just like get up and go. My schedule would be that I'm up very late. Uh, very late and I get up a little bit later in the day, like 10 or ten or even 11 o'clock. Although I, I hate getting up later <laughs> in the day now. I hate getting up late like, in the day because the whole day like is the gone. the whole day is over. No, no, I agree. But I would prefer to get up at like, I guess, 9 or 10 maybe. It's weird. She's been, our daughter has been sleeping in progressively later recently. Yeah. Not every day, but yeah. some days like today. She didn't wake up till 9.45 in the morning. It's too late. It, it is. It's like it throws everything. No, off. the whole day is gone. And by the time you know it, it's, it's, it's like 3 o'clock. Right, like what by the time, time you it know right it, now? it's three thirty-five, yeah. which right, is the exactly. time the time right now. Anyhow, so I think this is a good place to leave it um, because she's still sleeping, as far as we know. Yeah, has that been on like that the whole time? Yep. Oh, so this will be that'll be. I don't know if that'll be the background. Anyhow, that's a good place to leave it because uh, we've got we got to plan our activities for the rest of the day, and she'll have to wake up at some point. Um, and I, I'm feeling like I really want some more wine. We don't have any. Well, we you could go get some. I have to get some for father's day okay well that's um that's the podcast for this week uh laura thank you for joining oh, me. oh anytime really Any, anytime okay good yeah. i think this worked out i think it went really well i don't know that people it's kind of like marriage counseling i don't know the people who listen to it. it is kind of it was sort of like marriage counseling i don't know the people who listen to it will enjoy it but i certainly enjoyed it and really that's all that matters in life i enjoy being disliked it doesn't matter to me if i don't think like people are going to dislike you <laughs> I think if anything, I'm going to be the villain here as usual in this relationship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, tomorrow for this week. I'll be back next week with more. I want to thank our sponsor, Igloo. Igloo is internet you'll actually like. Go try it today for free to see what it would be like to have the tools you need to work better together at igloosoftware.com slash tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Although I've just gotten off the phone with your family and the very best isn't how I would describe what they would tell you.